Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Through the Tech Vine. So be quiet, pay attention, and get inspired. There is one truth that is not told enough. Technology is not magic, but it can be magical. Technology is human. It is part of who we are, our evolution, our future. Will it be a dystopian or utopian one? Well, that is up to us and nobody else. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Welcome to our bus show. It sounds dark. (laughs) I'm excited for the new year with many more shows. So it's bittersweet. Is it? You know, every year there people say, oh, I hope next year is going to be better. And we've had uh, a lot more of like, I mean, I don't think anybody going into 2020 would expect the pandemic. So, I mean, I hope I hope it's always better. I think we always hope for better, better years. But um, I just take at this point a year that at least we can say goodbye to COVID for a while. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, there, there's been a lot of hopes and going back to normal, whatever normal is. And, uh, and here we are, <laughs> buckling <laughs> up again. <laughs> yep. So I think I think we can be hopeful, though. Sean, are, are you? I'm hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> Just say like you mean it, please. All right. I'm really, <laughs> really hopeful. <laughs> there you go. Energy. <laughs> I think there's there's good stuff coming. I I know I personally kind of deal with it by keeping busy and keeping my mind going and off of all the all the stuff that makes it uh, hard to deal with, I think. <laughs> so I, I kind of I pay attention but also don't pay attention. And I think uh we have a lot for ITSP magazine coming in the new year, so uh, I'm excited for all that for sure. Oh yeah. And uh yeah, I think good good things there yeah, with our with our friends, you and Diana, of course, and uh, all our hosts. So, yeah, exciting times. Yeah, we just yeah. you got to keep going, right? And and hope for hope for hope for for good things and for yeah, but, moving forward. Yeah. But you know, I I think this is a great point. Is it's when you when you can take as uh, as we say sometimes, you know, lemons and and make lemonades, right? And, uh, and and just like say, you know what, this is something that I, it's a, it's a pause that I, I'm now choosing to have, but I can get the opportunity to get really creative and buy, build up this energy for, for when you can just go back and, and be yourself and again, go to conferences and meeting with people. And I'm talking about 
our circle, our community of uh, technologists and cybersecurity and hackers and, and all the good stuff that I, I really miss. I really do miss. I, and there have been some good things about the pandemic. I've my my cat is way more attached to me than she was before, <laughs> which I like. Hopefully I like. not with claws, just just emotional. No, she just she's much snugglier than she was. We have two cats, and one is basically Ed's cat, and he always snuggles Ed. But but you know, the other cat, she's gotten a lot more connected to me. My dogs are even more snugglier and connected. My blood pressure is way down, which I think is because <laughs> I'm not on a plane and in an airport every single week. So there have been some some benefits. Too. See, I like that. I like that, and I, I maybe. Maybe I'm just teasing here for what will be kind of my news. It's to, you know, I don't like to do the prediction at the end of the year, especially when it comes to the cybersecurity one, because they're so gloom and doom all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want it to be that. But I found a really good article from, uh, from a guy, a futurist, that I will mention when the time comes, with some really good five kind of prediction for 2022 that are not those crazy just made it to to do the headline i think they're very well thought and and as a consequence of these two years of pandemic and digital transformation that we've been living in so we can keep our feet on the ground and still kind of see what what the technology is bringing us. So I'm excited. Yeah. To talk so are you about saying it. there's no, he's not listing the 2000% increase in log 4j patches coming in? <laughs> no, this guy, that that's, <laughs> we'll leave that to someone else. All right. We're Great. not going to make names here, but uh, <laughs> our, our good friends here nice. and there, they do that. Exactly. Nice. But we're not doing that because we're not that show. This, this show. Is, this is not that show. It's not that okay. show. It's not that 70s show. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, you know how we always talk about a little bit of the TV things no. that we have watched, and I know we were doing this before before beginning the live uh, broadcast. But I gotta say something. I'm gonna ask you both. Did you like the Matrix, the first one? I enjoyed it. I I, I did like the first one, but I actually didn't see the second or third because, huh? I'm with you, Diane. I didn't see. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just I, I read about it, and the second one got such bad reviews that I was like, I guess so I'm just out. I'm assuming you haven't seen the no. resurrection. Mm -mm. Sean, no. Is it Don't. good? Don't. No. No. Don't. <laughs> Are you screwing <laughs> over their uh, chances for a box office hit, Mark? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think I'm that relevant, to be honest with you. Like, I think. Uh, no, but uh, as a friend, I'm recommending. Uh, <laughs> Are you saving us? <laughs> I, I need, I need to watch to rewatch the first one, and fell yeah. in love and fell in love with it again. It's yeah. just, I can't even make sense of it. So that's think, that's my movie. Our, you think the original will wash away uh, what you're trying to unsee? I, I yes, I think so because right. this one it's kind of like very focused on the original one, mm -hmm. and I just need to refresh how good that was. So that that's my comment on on the movies going on right now. So I I'll stick with Christmas movie, which I've seen quite quite a few. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so any any new Christmas movies that you 
recommend. So there is, I have to actually look up the name, um, but uh, Jimmy O. Yang uh, and I think Nina Dobrev uh, have one. It's a rom-com on Netflix and it's great. Uh, it doesn't have, like, I, oh, it's a, it's Love Hard, I guess is the name of it, which hmm, it seems like an odd. All right, I guess it's called Love Hard. Um, but it's on, it's on Netflix. It's the terrible name, but Jimmy O. Yang is just, he's incredibly funny in it. And Nina Dobrev is, is, is very good. And it's just a really good kind of different approach. It's, he catfishes her, not really meaning to. Um, and then she finds out, goes to his house and, and finds out what's going on. But it's just really, it's a lot of fun. And I feel like it's got rewatchability. So I would recommend that as a new Christmas movie for people. Okay. Okay. I'm more leaning towards the, the fantasy one. So where you actually okay. deal with Santa Claus. So I've rewatched the 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 Santa Chronicles, the one with Kurt Russell. And, and the second yeah. one is with, with his wife too. So that, that's really funny and good. And then there was one actually that I enjoy was uh, producing uh, in Holland and Belgium. And it's about the I think it's called the Klaus family, and it's not mm. that big Hollywood production, but it was really funny, entertaining, and uh, yeah, I I think it's on Netflix. I I would definitely uh, recommend that one. So mm. that's that's my pick. Don't watch the Matrix. Watch the the Santa Claus one. <laughs> Stay away from the Matrix Revolution. Small budget. Small budget. Support small productions. <laughs> Sean, what's your, uh, yeah. What's your uh, yeah. So, I mean, those, you probably know, I don't spend a lot of time watching movies, but, uh, what I did come across was a young filmmaker. I think she's in the greater Lapland area and she put together this, this little film, uh, where she's kind of documenting the changes in time and, and how it's, light all day and all night at certain times of the year and dark all day and night the other parts of the year and and how she deals with it and keeps busy and keeps her mind fresh and does ice fishing and ice swimming and and i don't know it was very inspiring and very she's a, a filmmaker so it was very well done as well um oh, cool. and she did the voiceover and and a lot of great scenery of, of snow and mountains and streams and lakes and yeah it was just uh, it was enjoyable to watch and uh, inspiring so so sean I, before we got on we were talking about yellow jackets and 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 my my great obsession with it and, and you're not getting into it after the first episode and what i don't understand is that you love this this documentary about the beauty of nature and this woman out surviving in it. But when it's a bunch of, of, uh, of high school students that have crash landed in the Canadian wilderness and resort to eating each other, you don't like it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, a matter a of slight, taste. A slight it's difference. A of taste. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Sean prefer yeah. fish. <laughs> to humans <laughs> eating humans. each other. Okay. Well, I, guess. I, I guess that's it. Yeah. Uh, I can, I I'm sure it's a great antro anthropological experiment <laughs> and, and fascinating. And, okay, I'll drop a quick news that I almost like, you know what, maybe we'll talk about this. And then I'm like, no, nah, it's the last episode of the year. I want to keep it light. 
But because you mentioned this, there is some scientists predicting that as we go into space, so as we go to explore other planets, which not not the moon, moon is close enough, but when you we're really far away, they're predicting that the first explorer to go on these planets, like on the moon of Saturn or Jupiter and, and Mars, if something goes wrong, they may resort to cannibalism. And so this show that you're talking about, it's, it's very, uh, very uh, appropriate for that and uh, kind of scary to, to know that if someone is going to go to live in, on a different planet, it may be a, to be ready for, for so that. So the purpose but, of this show to kind of de... I don't know, prepare, I guess, prepare us for uh, that, that inevitability, kind of desensitize us from uh, that reality. I don't know how we ended up on this, but um, how, about, how about we light it up a little bit? So I, have and, to, uh, I, have to, I have to be clear. So I do love food, but this conversation is not uh, not doing it for me. I know, yeah. but, but people love to watch all different sort of, uh, of, of movies and documentaries and and sometimes, you know, that's it, it's fascinating to explore the human the human mind. So nothing nothing wrong with that. But it's not going to be on, on my New Year's uh, evening um, okay. menu. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fava beans and a little Chianti. Like that. <laughs> See, that's that's a good example of how something, you know, a little weird. It it, it gets into the the common knowledge and and come i mean everybody has yeah. seen that movie so we don't That's even true. need to mention the the title of it so how about we jump into something a little bit more visionary and being the last episode of the year maybe we can we can see what's this last news in technology that got your attention and of course as tradition i'm asking diana Okay, so mine kind of starts a little bit like hearkening back to a very classic holiday movie, which is It's a Wonderful Life, which many of us probably watched with our families and friends over the holidays. And there's a scene in there where George and Mary Bailey, who are played by Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, help the Martini family escape the really high rents and low quality and potter's field. And they welcome the Martinis into their new home at Bailey Park. And it really connects to the very American dream of home ownership. But unfortunately, it's become a lot harder for people to get into their homes, not just because of Mr. Potter, but because the cost of a finished home has gone up by 61% since 2019. And part of what's driving the cost of building a new home are supply chain shortages, um, labor shortages, lumber prices alone have gone up by 242%, which is shocking in the last couple of years. Uh, so the overall cost of a home is going to be much, much higher for people. So I was really heartened to see this article about a Virginia family moving into their first Habitat for Humanity home. Uh, April was the home buyer. She cut the new women a ribbon on her house in Williamsburg, Virginia, just a few days ago. And she, as with most Habitat for Humanity homes, she had volunteered for 300 hours worth of work. She worked both at the construction site on her home and at a local Habitat um, reuse store. And her house was made more affordable because it was the first Habitat for Humanity 3D printed home. 
and 3D printed homes go much faster. So it can take just 12 hours to print the walls and the walls are printed in concrete. They have these uh, these devices that the 3D printer, you kind of put the rails on the side of where the house is gonna be and then it moves back and forth. So instead of a stick built wooden house where you have you know, people put up the, the wood, we've all seen those being built around, right? You just, this 3D printer just starts going up and, you know forward and back on the, the rails and prints out the exterior walls of the house in concrete and it takes, it's much faster. It can reduce the overall cost per square foot between 15% and in some cases, arguably 50% of the total build cost. So that was really encouraging. I was super happy about that. Uh, but then I did get interested because I have, have thought about doing concrete floors in homes before. I was wondering about how eco-friendly concrete is if we're going to be 3D printing concrete homes. And that got me down the path of investigating concrete technology and its sustainability. And because it uses cement, it's actually a hazardous and not great sustainable material because compared to other processes, uh, it uses a lot of energy. It's very fossil fuel intensive. Uh, so it actually contributes to carbon dioxide, as we know, you know, to global warming. But as always with technology, in addition to now we can 3D print houses instead of build them out of, of sticks and wood, and that can decrease costs in the long run. Also, there's great technological advances going with concrete itself. Uh, so there's ashcrete, which is being made out of ashes uh, from burning papercrete, which is made out of a paper pulp that's been discarded, and even grasscrete, where the concrete is is uh, more porous and spaced out, and grass fills in the spaces between there, which makes it healthier for the environment and also cheaper and, and better uh, to manufacture. So excited about 3D houses and excited about what can go happen in the forward in the future so that instead of having to be made out of just concrete, maybe they can be made out of even more eco-friendly, sustainable versions of Crete as we 3D print these new homes for people. That's pretty there's cool. no Pampers Crete. And we're, we're you know maybe maybe Pampers Crete like, for, like the, you could you could develop diapers. that yeah. diapers yeah so I have a question so first of all I heard about this 3D house printing now for for a while maybe not as long as you know the, the flying car from the Jetson which I'm still waiting for but this one here was seems pretty concrete. Oh, <laughs> that uh, oh. a few years ago, and I know that it's been experimenting and and so forth. So I'm curious now that you did some research and I didn't. I mean, how much is the portion of the house that is 3D printed? Is it just the wall, or does it include already like the blueprint for the the pipes and the electricity and and all of that? But where does it stop the, the 3D printing? Right now, from, from what I understand, 3D printing replaces the exterior walls. So the difference is instead of when you see them putting up the frames and they're building a new house and it's that whole exterior, it's replacing the exterior walls. Oh, so it looks, steps it looks like up. all the finish, the finish is still the finish. Stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the in yeah. interior walls and the doors. and But still, I mean, if you can put up that so quickly and it's so much cheaper, right? That sounds fantastic for 
for a lot of opportunities where you you really need to do it quick and you really need to you know to help people i mean and what was cool about this is that some of these three so 3d houses are being manufactured commercially in addition there's a whole neighborhood in texas that's going to be 3d printed in addition to habitat for humanity now with their first house being sold um but uh they they're giving some of the with they're giving away like 3d printers with the homes and then software about things that can be replaced in the homes like doorknobs so i think that they're starting to try and expand out and think about what can we do maybe maybe you can print your own pipes in the future and print your doorknobs and maybe handles for windows and things like that so there it's kind of an interesting looking forward that right now it seems that we've got the exterior walls but what else um the other thing i thought would be really interesting is is how thick can these wall be and and, and how does that change the r value because that would change the sustainability of the house in the long run like our, our house here because it's net zero one of the ways we got to net zero is that we built the, the stick built twice there's there's an exterior and then they went in a foot and built the framing of the house exterior walls again and what's in between that whole foot is insulation so the house is essentially a thermos it's really tight i'm wondering is concrete better in the long run that could then lead to gains in, in terms of heating and cooling too. Like you go, you go into like an old stone medieval stone building in Europe and it's, it's, it's cool in the summer and kind of warm in the winter. Um, so maybe that, that could contribute too. Yeah, and I saw the same article and it speaks to uh, sustainability in terms of uh, hurricanes and tornadoes and things. Mm. Yes. So. Yeah much more durable along those lines yeah well yeah, it, look, it looks say... pretty good too i mean the, when uh when we heard this marco uh from jj I, I yeah it was some, yeah. some military activity uh yep. or, not adventure but uh some military activity where they were doing this and i was thinking well what does it look like is it going to be the house that sticks out like a sore thumb on the block um <laughs> but it actually it looks pretty good and the the 3D printed part looks almost like brick, like the brick was put in place. Um, as a, it, like all, like I guess the bricks were placed as they're being formed, as versus formed and then placed. So it looks pretty cool from that perspective. And then, like as we talked about earlier, the trim kind of mm. kind of finishes it off. So it's still. You still have the trim around the doors and and the uh, the posts holding up the uh, the front porch covering and things like that. So yeah, it looks cool too from the pictures I've seen anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. Like the 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 printed part, yeah, has this kind of cool texture, like extruded yeah. almost. And and yeah, I mean, I, I suspect you could make it different colors and and then yeah, I agree with the trim and the little extra extras it starts to look very traditional so and who knows maybe that's going to be like the the house of the future i think that we've 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 gone past modern farmhouse that right? seems right. to be dying out we're going to start not liking shiplap pretty soon i think so uh who knows maybe the next big architectural trend is going to be that cool extruded exterior concrete 3d printed look well yeah, my, my comment on that is coming from Europe um, 
I remember when I started coming in the U.S. and get outside the big city, like, you know, the first city I saw in the U.S. was New York. <laughs> and But then as you go outside in certain areas, I'm like, wow, all these homes are made of wood. It, it, it felt really <laughs> weird to me. Yeah. And I'm like, so they get on fire pretty quick. <laughs> they burn. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started thinking all of that because I was so used to, again, you know, building made of stone that are still there yeah. since you know the 1400 and or earlier and and also you know even that the house where i grew up they you know they were made actually of concrete reinforced concrete with the metal frame in it so it's almost like i'm looking back at the 70s that this was starting <laughs> to get common there so i'm wondering how the sustainability also works when when you Diana, you said like how sustainable is this, but when you have all the homes made of wood, is that mm. sustainable? <laughs> I know I've I've had that question from from folks from Europe too. They get over to the U.S. and they're like, "Why yeah. wood? Wood is like you, you get termites, it rots." <laughs> like, no, why but even you? at a level of sustainability, I mean, the, you you mentioned the price going so high for the wood that people. I mean, I, yeah. I did a year some news that. It was, I don't know, in the hundreds percent more expensive during the pandemic. And I'm also thinking like you're also cutting down trees. Is that good? Yeah, it, it is it does raise a good question. I mean, I, I can understand why it started in the United States because when folks landed here, there's there's a lot of trees in the yeah. US and not so it makes clearing sense. a tree for the for the house to fit. Exactly. And then what do you do with all the lumber? Or, or like in New England, we have a ton of these beautiful little stone walls. And same thing as you were tilling the fields and there were all these stones in it. So you built walls. But um, yeah, now does it make sense? That was mm. hundreds of years ago. Does it still make sense for us to use lumber as our primary building? I, I, I do wonder about that. And it was yeah, from the, the Bloomberg article that I was looking at. Uh, said 242% increase in lumber, mm -hmm. 242. That's mind boggling. And I suspect the lumber isn't, I don't know how much is coming from the U.S. even mm. anymore. Well, so, I, think, yeah. I think the truth will hit in the middle as often does, right? So, I mean, you could still have the the 3D printing frames. And then as you were talking, you can add the detailing. You can still put an internal panels of wood to keep it warmer and mm -hmm. make it prettier. I like the idea of printing all the details as well, uh, because then you, you could make those much more affordable. And also going back to what we talked last time to don't have to import, export, all this kind of yeah, stuff, but actually where it is. Yeah, print it where it is. And I'm wondering, can you 3D print a 3D printer? <laughs> Ooh, that's meta. I was thinking I'd like to 3D print cabinets. Yeah. yeah. Furnitures. Yeah. I think they're already doing yeah. that. Chairs, yeah. and I'm sure IKEA has his own something yeah. to say on it. So <laughs> well, cool. Very cool. Quick, quickly with sticking with the house. I don't know. I yeah. doubt they use 3D technology for this, but there, there's, a, <laughs> there's a home that was being built in my old neighborhood in the, in the canyon which of course is very prone to fires. So rather than being on top, uh, bearing all its wood, uh, prone to burning down, uh, this person dug into the side of the mountain, uh, 
framed it with steel, poured concrete over it, mm. covered it in dirt. So basically, it's it's an above ground subterranean. Is a bunker. It's a bunker. It's burned. So, it's so one burn. whole side is is glass looking out over the canyon. The other is oh, you, you drive up and you, you park on the roof. <laughs> okay, you, you got to tell me where it is so that I can actually drive there. It's on the main, it's on the main canyon. You, you have to come from the ocean. So okay. in, order, in order to see it, but you'll see it all straight right, up. All right. straight away. I'll, I'll do a little uh, exploration when I yeah. get back to, when I get back down to, to the, to the, yeah, it's worth checking out. It, I'm, they just, uh, covered it in in the earth when I, when I left. So okay, cool. Yeah. So like a berm home. It's like a berm home, bunker home. Yeah. Nice. The whole side is glass. The rest is covered in drive. I presume it kind of helps. It gets hot right there as well because it's yeah. smack dab in the middle of the sun all day and morning, afternoon, evening. So uh, yeah, I'm certain it helps with some of the the heating and cooling as well. But then, then you go on the on the sustainability level of how so many places now, and I remember there is a a, um, a museum, I believe, in San Francisco that is is made by this uh, Italian architect, and it's all covered by grass on top of it. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like again a bunker because when you even on the high rise building, I I was in Japan and I saw parks on top of of the high rise. And with kids playing and trees and and and, uh, and flowers and everything, and it keeps yeah. the temperature. It isolated. It can save ton of money through the year in AC or heating because it, it's insulating the inside. So you know, you can go back in Mother Nature and, and ask for help right there. Maybe that's the that's a good uh, a good vision for the future. I, I'll, I'm all over that. I, I agree. I think that, yeah, like, why not reassess what we're doing? Even when we built this house, we had a discussion with a lot. It took us a while to find a builder that understood net zero. Um, and we had some conversations with builders and they would they said essentially to us, you know, oil heat was good enough for my grandfather. So it's good enough for us. You know, and I was like, well, but we're not saying that it's, it's, Okay. Or we're just like maybe we can, if we have advanced technology, can we apply that to the building process as all? Well, like, well hammers made of stone were good for the Flintstone. <laughs> I wouldn't say <laughs> for, good for me now. So <laughs> I can't see how you're cheeky. But, but Fred's stick car. Stick with your was... Palm Pilot, buddy. Stick with your Palm Pilot. Yeah, Fred Flintstone, you know. His, his car was super eco friendly, though, because it ran just with his feet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No it, shoes, did you see no how fast it could go? No Nikes being sold for that one. <laughs> uh, now we're going back in, in time. I I always wanted that disposal. They had that like cute little critter that lived under their, their sink that was their disposal. I just thought it'd be nice to have like <laughs> Do you realize how actually futuristic the Flintstone was? <laughs> I mean, applying, it's like the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah, like the, the, I remember the birds that it's playing the the record when, when they oh, just right. the, the beak of the <laughs> right with its beak. <laughs> exactly, it must have worked. Uh, all over that. All right, Sean, what, what you got? All right, speaking of beaks. Oh, yes, I didn't know. There Ooh. you go. You didn't know. Set up. Yep, we we all have our own beaks. Now, ours look different than birds, but uh, 
so my news and I actually saw the, the, the news Diana brought as well. So I'm glad I didn't pick that one. Thanks for bringing that one, Diana. <laughs> um, mine, you can, you can picture this carousel. I don't know if as kids, if anybody had a carousel of crayons where you would spin it around or pen, different colored pens where you'd spin mm. it around and pick the color. So picture that. And it's filled not with crayons, but with tasty solutions. And this carousel mm. spins around and creates a mixture of multiple flavors that then replicate something that tastes like something else. So like a, huh? like a, like a piece of air fried fake chicken. <laughs> if you remember that story. Oh, yeah. In the previous episode. No. So this is the, the TV you can lick. The TV you can lick. Yes. Wow. I, I don't know if it's very hygienic, uh, given given the current uh, situation. People walking around licking TVs. But anyway, it's a, it's a flat screen TV with, with a film on it that gets sprayed by this carousel of flavors and the mixture of, <laughs> of flavors. <laughs> Does it have <laughs> smells, too? Let you lick the TV and taste a strawberry or a chocolate mousse. Do, do or... we... <laughs> Can we smell it too? Is it gonna smell it? Yeah, I, that's it my thing. We were still working on the smell. <laughs> and now we're actually already at the taste of it. Okay. <laughs> the taste part. The smell vision is still like so, so wait, wait, Sean, it's a film yeah. that is goes on the TV. Now, now how 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 is this flavor produced on the TV? The, the only way I can based on pictures, it looks like this. Like a stream, or not a stream, a, um, I don't even know how to describe it, like a, a film that floats across the, like a roll of paper that might float across and roll down across mm -hmm. the screen, but it's a film. That I, I don't think it really says here. But basically, the it wipes, as it's coming across the screen, it's wiping across the, the, uh, the flavor canisters. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things I want to say right now. First of all, I want I to find out who came out with this and invited to it's, one of our yeah. podcasts on to talk about it. <laughs> where, um, where do you think it's from, Marco? Italy. No. Okay. <laughs> because I, you know, food. But no, probably we would not go for something like that. It's uh, it's innovation is rooted in Japan. Japan. Uh, okay, I yeah. can see that. So the idea, the, the goal for them is to. Bring the restaurant to your TV. Uh, okay, but but you will be able to kind of get the flavor. Bomb Does it? <laughs> but you're not gonna have a freaking meal, are you? You're, you're still gonna be hungry. I have a feeling. Yeah. Does um, it have to be on the TV? Like, remember when? Good question. When John Waters did polyester, and he had the Odorama card that had like you know like. <laughs> pizza smell and and skunk smell and i think there was fart smell on there um <laughs> but that was basically like a scratch and sniff card so right. could you get a, a well but then it wouldn't be you'd have to mail it i guess if it was a physical card and this somehow can get through the television or or an accessory that is non it's the leak in the tv that freaks me out <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know how they're getting yeah, the taste get there, pasta. though. Uh, you gotta, <laughs> you have remotes and you you know voice activation for channel pausing all of that. Now all of a sudden you're like, hmm, let me stand up and go taste and lick the TV. <laughs> Could you pause that, honey? I need to lick the TV to really experience it. Yeah. Oh my God, this is the best news we've well, ever so had. Now. Now it, I'm going to tell you. It, I'm it's voice activated too, by the way. So you can say, give me a piece of pizza, please. <laughs> I'd like a slice now. And if you're watching Yellow Jackets. Oh, God. Uh, you're going there. <laughs> uh, hmm. Let me taste this. Well, you, asked, you asked about, does it have to be on a TV? And I, I didn't take the time to, to dig deeper. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be enough. Uh, but, but evidently, <laughs> they they've also built a a uh, prototype smart fork that makes food taste better according to this article oh. a fork mm. moves, makes food taste richer sorry next thing i know i'm gonna walk in the street i'm gonna start looking watching seeing people <laughs> Leaking their phone, <laughs> leaking their phone. <laughs> <laughs> because they just had a, a, a virtual ice cream, a virtual gelato, <laughs> and they're just enjoying it. And when it's over, it's over. You just buy, you, you know, you just bought like I don't know, three dollars worth of chocolate and vanilla. Okay, we just got used to. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Daniel. I was going to say, we just got used to people like walking down the street and seemingly talking to nobody. We realized, yeah, they're just on their, their headset, you know, <laughs> their Bluetooth. But... Yeah, now it's going to be like, yeah, so they're just licking. having an ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. it, did, it didn't say it in the article, um, but I can, I can see maybe because it's chocolate, right? So maybe you could taste test the chocolate mm -hmm. before you buy it online. Yeah, well, that could be interesting. They also talk yeah. about uh, trivia, or not trivia mm -hmm. games, but uh, family games using this. What, what are you tasting? Could be. Oh, okay. Okay. Like no, game. I could yeah. see that. Yeah. You know, it reminds game. me Harry Potter, the, the, the flavor, old flavor uh, candies that sometimes you can get the one that tastes like buggers oh, yeah. and stuff like that, and you never know. And you know the surprise candies, but the popcorn but, uh, jelly belly—that's what you got. Yeah, the, the jelly bean, the jelly bean. But it reminds me that you mentioned that Diana, that those when you can smell the the perfume in in the magazine, they're still doing it, and, mm -hmm. it, and I think it works because I mean it's been going on for many many years. So I think that's that's something that it it's working. I I don't know if I would want to get. A magazine that smells like pizza, cheese pizza, or, but <laughs> because even the perfume can be overwhelming when when you have the magazine sitting on the on the coffee table. Like Marco. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, this is interesting. This is, so this is where we're going. I, now yeah. I can see the application in the virtual reality world. I I do wonder, like with the you know, taste the chocolate before you buy it. I mean, they how accurate can they be? Because perfume, you just take the scent and you put a little yeah. bit onto something that's going to retain it, and then you're getting the actual the perfume. It's just been infused into that card. But with the chocolate, you've got to somehow extract the chocolate flavor and match it, right? You gotta. But, but you, yeah. you can do it. I mean, yeah, like I technology. Mean, 
possible. You can extract pretty much any. May not be. I mean, fiscally feasible. Right. <laughs> or, or or last that long. I mean, obviously, perfume. I think it has attended the the capacity to last much longer than I don't know something like related to food. But okay, okay. Well, that's a spinning so. wheel of of flavors the size of a. Of a football stadium. <laughs> so the question for the future: combinations. Is this the future you want to live in? <laughs> well, I, I'm seeing all these these reviews now online because you know a lot of times you get a review and it's like this color was not represented at all. This is you know it says it's a coral, but really it's much more of a peach. Right? So I can imagine all these reviews with like this taste. This chocolate tasted nothing like the, the, the right. my TV chocolate. <laughs> When I licked it on the TV, it was delicious. <laughs> and also maybe it was your it. TV wasn't a good... Uh, <laughs> exactly, you have to adjust media. your flavor tones. <laughs> well, it makes me wonder, I mean, we, we, well, some people try to get away from red number six. Or, <laughs> I don't even know what the numbers are. What the heck is this stuff there that you're licking? Yeah, it's... Some chemical. Anyway. A good question. Oh. I I would not invest into this business. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not recommending market, anything. I'm not a marketing analyst or anything. The, all, the rave for all the kids. It, it, this is if we don't get into this now, Marco, it's going to be like not getting in on plastics at the ground floor. <laughs> Regret it for the rest wow. of our lives. Well, there again, uh, if you told me that I was going to eat a burger that tastes like burger and it's called Impossible Burger or any other, you know, Beyond Meat or any other brand and, and I actually enjoyed it, you tell me that five years ago, I would say you're crazy. And here I am eating a burger made of not meat. And we talked about all these things in the in the past. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they better make it safe, though. Uh, but I'm still not going to leak the TV screen. I can tell that much. They got to come out with something different than that. Just make sure your phone's waterproof before you start licking it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I don't, I don't even know. That was a good laugh. Thank you, Sean. Thank you very, very TV. much. All right. So we, we got... We got a, a few minutes left. And I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I, I would like your quick... Um, opinion on on these five they prediction suck. is that cooking and again sean you can answer <laughs> yes or no if you want <laughs> um so this is from forbes and uh, the guy's name is bernard marr and he's a an author he's a keynote speaker futurist and strategist and uh I believe he's based in the uk and uh, he actually wrote this in september 27th uh, so he was a futurist even in <laughs> In the way that he wrote this, he didn't wait for December. <laughs> he already knew what was going on here. So his approach is, let's look at the concrete things that did happen this year with the digital transformation and, and the stuff that really technology is helping us to be more flexible. And what really has changed due to the fact that we couldn't work in the office, we're working remotely, and technology that has been you know, towards democratization and you know, bringing broadband for everyone and not necessarily to everyone, but that's a different conversation. So he was, he was he's touching on five topics that are more feasible, right? Not not the crazy stuff like licking a TV and tasting it. <laughs> Is that crazy, though? That's just, Is it? It's just the future. 
or is it? <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is artificial intelligence everywhere. And, and he goes in, in depth to, you know, explaining how, you know, what he means with that. And I just make it like, you know, the fact that smart is not necessarily mean to be connected as it was like, oh, I'm, I have a smart device. I mean, we're talking about artificial intelligence, maybe analyzing data um, to the point of, you know, interfaces that can help with health and, and, and all this kind of stuff and, and controlling robots and cars, making it safer. So like the actual um, concrete application of artificial intelligence. And, um, and what's, what's your take on that? Is it still going to be a marketing thing? I know, Sean, you wrote extensively about this. Yeah. Or is really here and, and even more in 2022. Go ahead, Diana. I, I think it, it, it comes down to, as you were talking about, the actual applications and being able to differentiate between what's machine learning and what's artificial intelligence, because I think people kind of push them together a lot. Um, and, and general AI is what we see in the movies all the time where systems are going to repair themselves. Narrow AI uh, is when we apply to a specific task and we know, you know that this, this robot's going to move this, this widget from here to there kind of thing um, and, and that and as part of automation. So I think that if we look at use of machine learning algorithms and being able to sift through and find patterns in massive amounts of data, it's it's here. I don't even think it's future. It's it's already here, and we'll just continue to see more and more of that. What I don't think we're going to see is the 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 general AI of systems, you know, suddenly inventing new versions of themselves and fixing themselves and and sentient robots. I don't think that we're we're there. And even when we expand out to try and do something that appears fairly simple but is complex, like autonomous driving, we realize that. As long as we're narrow, it's it's actually already here. When we start to get a little bit broader um, and into more complex situations, we may not be there yet. So I don't know. That's my what do you, what yep. do you think, Sean? I agree completely. And then I would quickly add that I think it's a matter of well, so something has to learn to do something based on a set of data, and it continues to learn. And at some point, it it might be that whatever it learned is no longer valid mm -hmm. right? and it has to learn yeah and has to learn the complete opposite of what it's spent its, its entire life learning yeah um i don't know how close we are to something like that and if it requires a just take the pandemic right if if we had 50 years of data saying this is how society lives and we're trying to make it better and then boom a pandemic hits will an ai system respond to that and and how and so the the other point i quickly want to make is there's the completely autonomous where there's no human involved and i i don't know if that's in the in the near future i, I think there's always because of that example i gave i think there'll always need to be a human at the helm at the button if you will to kind yeah of, i'm just gonna quickly out. add to that yeah. i don't i don't want to believe it's just a need of the human but it's, i think it's a smart idea if there is always a human there. So augmenting our capacities and of analyzing yeah. data and so forth. So I 100% agree with you and you're way smarter than me when it comes to this stuff, for sure. Um, and 
I really want to hear your opinion on this because it really comes onto the realm of cybersecurity as well. Even if this is not necessarily cybersecurity based, but the, so the the second prediction is everything as a service and the no code revolution. So again, um, people don't need to reinvent the wheel all the time. But you can buy uh, open source technology. And, uh, and components and, and even code without knowing how to code and uh, how that open possibilities. We're not going in, in log4j here, Sean, so don't, don't go there. <laughs> but, you know, your opinion on this, like technology and coding and as a service. I think, I think it's here. I'll go quick first, Dan. I, I yeah. think it's here. It's a matter of how fast does the legacy crap go away? <laughs> that's yeah, on the tv I, so don't look that that's super succinct plus one to that definitely uh, it's here it's here it's in use and i think that the the note for everybody is legacy um but also that we make sure that we use it responsibly and that we do understand the dependencies within our systems because as we saw with log4j a lot of companies at first were like we have no log4j anywhere and it's like oh actually they did because one of their vendors had it embedded in their offering. So um, uh, yeah, it's low code, no code is here, but as we're stitching together services and applications from other providers, we got to make sure that we understand what we've, what we've built and what those, the, uh, the risks related to those dependencies may be should one of those uh, libraries or other uh, components go awry. Yeah. We quickly lose control of what's in the supply chain. Yeah. If all the Teslas yeah. had, I don't know. I'm not saying they do. If they all had log 4J. Yeah. And even with the, the scripting, I mean, I, I see a lot of companies. I mean, what we can do with these scripting tools are amazing, but people forget that, oh, they granted full access into some you know, very sensitive database because they were trying to create a new workflow. And then that's great, but just if you don't need it anymore, shut it down or make sure that you, you've limited access to just what that that script needs to know, that kind of stuff. So what I hear is a lot more innovation, but there could be a lot more risk. If, yeah, and, and then if something it's goes wrong, you just amplify. Yeah, your futurist is is he's talking about this futurist is talking about stuff that are, are very both AI and ML and low code no code are they're here, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're they're here. Yep, no questions about it. I mean, he mentioned a few things like, uh, you know, Microsoft Codex and another thing, uh, Elon Musk. I think it there's the Open AI platform and so forth. But anyway, we'll we'll meet, we'll put the. The link to this so people can actually dig uh, deeper we're, we're just going really fast over this so the next one is digitification and virtualization so you know working from home interacting at the digital level and uh, and starting to learn to to, to live and and coexist mm. with I'm going to say it, the metaverse, of course, virtual reality. <laughs> Sean, there is a point here about um, um, in the virtual reality through a headset, a range of new devices coming to the market will soon greatly improve the experience, offering tactile feedback and even smells. 
So there is a note about that, and you just jump into taste. So, what's your what's your take on this? I mean, I know we talked about this a lot, but yeah, you know, the first. fact that we're becoming more digital in in our interaction in everyday life. Um, I mean, again, I f I feel like we we are already more digital and interactive in our everyday lives. So much has already gone on. I think that the reason that we're starting to hear more about smells and about the metaverse and about taste even is that we've brought so much online already and everyone's looking for well what's the next big thing um you know can we have more of the we, we get that we can all do video with each other which i mean i, I don't need to dismiss it because really honestly 20 years ago it was like are we gonna have this technology is can we ever ever actually do this and and it's here um but so i think sure we're going to continue to use more digitization, but it's going to be interesting to see, can we expand to smells and taste and more of that 3D virtual reality? And that, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if we're going to see as much of that in the next year or not. And do I, we I, want it? And do we want it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to harken back to another piece I wrote a while back, Marco. And I think the, to Diana's point, I, a lot of this stuff is here, right? And it might be for specific use cases, for certain situations and certain applications. Um, but we're, and it may be all around us in many things. And so we're interacting with all these technologies in some way or another. The, what I'm wondering is when will the point come where that is where we live, with, mm -hmm. where those things are the world that that we're used to and back to the article that I wrote, when does the non-technological world play come in and play a role where we're actually looking the other way from within yep. the digital out to the, to the real. We go back to vinyl. That's what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> Forest bathing. <laughs> yeah, like instead of a meditation app, just go out and walk in the woods. That too. And pay a lot of money to do that. In some specialized uh, yep. tourist resorts next one transparency governance and accountability which is kind of wrap all the things we we've touched on before so with all these ai and, and and digitalization of our life and and all of that the role i guess of let's make the rule you know like artificial intelligence act and we sean we talked with the european community that has this incredible and way advanced way to to make AI and, and advanced technology more transparent and more um, understandable, right, to to everyone. So, what what's the role of um, legislation, I guess, on all of this? Uh, this this is a tough one because I, I it's a long. I, I don't one I don't have very positive look on this <laughs> just because of the complexity in it. I mean, we we talked about everything. There's no code needed. Everything's a service and componentized, and you can build whatever you want. And and you have systems of systems. Uh, and it, I don't know how you how do you verify and validate each element and uh, prove that it was created by someone or something trustworthy, and that it's actually being used with the the intent in which it, for which it was built. I mean, the, the, there's just so much here. I don't know that legislation. We'll have uh, a win here. I, I think it's 
I, I don't really have an answer. I think it's so complex that to have an overarching governance view of all this stuff uh, is going to be extremely difficult. Yeah. My, I, I wonder if we go out into the physical world and we look at things like cars and I think it was, I don't know if people ever created their own cars, but um, you don't, when you look at a car, you don't say, oh, who created all of the various components? Say, I'm buying this from Honda or I'm buying this from BMW. And even though they sourced from multiple different vendors, they put it into a car that has their name on it. So at some level, they take the responsibility of what those components are and validating them. And we see this in PCs too, way, way back. People used to just, you just bought a bunch of stuff and you major, you bought a motherboard and you bought... Um, RAM and you bought the hard drive and you just cobbled it all together and you put it into a shell and you made your own PC. And that very rarely does that happen anymore. Most people say, well, I'm going to buy a known name brand. I'm going to buy you know, from Dell. I'm going to buy from Apple, for example. And even though there are multiple different vendor components in there, again, that vendor takes responsibility and says, I've got transparency across the supply chain. Trust me when you buy this or trust me when you buy the Cisco router that Cisco has validated the supply chain. So I wonder if maybe we'll see some of that online where we'll see more. And when you talk about platforms, that's kind of moving in that direction so that you buy it from a vendor and they've got the different pieces in there. They take the time to do the transparency and the, the, then we'll do the governance. And then if you wanted to get transparency, you can. Um, but I don't know if people are going to fully do that. I mean, do you know the components that are in your phone? I don't think most people do. You know, no. And, and my, my concern is less about the, the big name brands though. So I think there there should be plenty of concern there too. Mm. It, it's yeah, it's the, the micro societies and micro networks that we we end up creating because we can, and they're purpose built for bringing people together to do certain things, and they're comprised of different technologies, and they have physical and digital elements, and and it's not built by a big brand; it's built by yeah. a community where people yeah. are almost open source, where people are contributing their part to it. And, and I don't know, they will we'll see. I think we'll see a lot of this with the metaverse stuff for sure, mm -hmm. where, where people spin up their own worlds and who knows what goes on in them. Yeah. And, and in, I mean, we're and sort of starting to emerge now with the, the decentralized, and I guess this is all the W3, but the decentralized um, currency and value in currency. I mean, this is a huge shift if it really sticks. It's a huge shift in how the world has been working for a long time because once we moved off of barter <laughs> and got to fiat currency and government backing, that's been the system we've been in for a very long time. And we depend on government oversight to protect. But if we, in W3, move to truly decentralized um, currencies, it's going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out and kind of a little bit scary because a lot of people can, you know, you could be at risk and lose all your, all your, all your assets, all your NFT, all your Dogecoin. Very cool. Very cool. I, I, I congratulate you for keeping very short answers that would probably take an entire, like maybe a three series panel to, to go over that, <laughs> but, but it gave this idea and I'm going to skip the, the fifth one which is renewable energy, and we, we talk. Ooh, let's dig into that one. 
That's our favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know, we, we're kind of heating the hour. And, yeah. and I think that we, we talk about, I think people know how we feel about that one. Let's save some um, energy for next one. Let's oh. save some energy for the next one. An idea would be to maybe discuss each one of these that we just discussed. But I think that all together, it paints that picture that we're trying to paint on ITSP magazine. And we've been doing that for six years, which is everything is related, right? It's not just a, a silos of a system like, yeah, AI is stand on its own mm -hmm. and coding. Is no, it's all, we're all part of that. We are all, we have a synergy between the technology, the society, and of course the security, privacy, and blah, blah, blah part. So I, I like <laughs> that we ended up with this because it gets, it's all connected. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's the bottom My line. final point is at this point in time, we still have control as humans, so we can define what, mm -hmm. what the future holds. And maybe so, the wish well, let's, is let's to attention. keep it. Let's pay attention to what we're doing. And let, let, let's keep control. Let's keep this control. Let's not give it up to to the unknown, right? It's uh, you know, it would not be a good thing. And 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 listen to the science. You're speaking of another movie that was uh, people are watching over the holidays. Don't look up. Right, where they had the technology uh -huh. to avert the comet and they decided not to. <laughs> they decided to turn it around for greed. Um, I almost than brought the news the about that. Um, yeah. But I didn't, I couldn't find the full details. So I'm, I'm going to bring something related to that another time. Oh, cool. Very cool. And guess what? The next time that we chat, it'll be 20. It will be a 20. new year. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to take just with these quick seconds to wish everyone to finally have the year that we've been dreaming of <laughs> in the past two and mm -hmm. and I, I really have a good feeling that 2022 will will come uh with a lot of bright spots and a lot of uh, uh you know enlightenment maybe um, being positive here for for a change that mm -hmm. from from these two years that you know maybe it shows a really bad side of humanity but also but also the really good one so i hope that will prevail and with that that's my wish, and I'll leave the word to you, Sean and Diana, to say goodbye and see you next year. I'll leave it to Diana next. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, happy 2022, everybody. Happy New Year, and may it be a healthy and uh, and peaceful one for all. And with yes. that, yeah, peace safe out. and safe and prosperous. Thanks, everybody. See you next year. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through the Tech Vine podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.